Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of the podcast. I am so happy you're joining me here today. Well, we have a wonderful show for you today. It was such a delight to talk to Heidi Scoville. Now, I often head on over to Heidi's blog, Mount Hope Chronicles, when I need a really good book recommendation, either for my kids or for myself, because Heidi is raising a family of readers over there. We talk a lot about that today and also about classical education and classical conversations, which Heidi does with her family. I think you're going to enjoy the conversation and we'll be right to it after this word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Plan Your Year. Now, Plan Your Year is a homeschool planning kit. It includes printable planning pages plus a guide that will help you create a unique homeschool plan that fits your unique family. Now, this guide was created by me, yours truly, and the purpose behind the kit was to walk you through step-by-step how to create a vision for your homeschool goals for each of your students, and a plan you could use that will be tailored to your needs. Now, this works with any homeschool curriculum or any homeschool method that you choose to use. The planning kit also comes with printable planning forms that you can use in your homeschool binder. You can also type in these forms, save them, and then open them up again and edit them later. So handwritten or typed, whichever way makes you happiest, you can do both. And the forms are updated year after year. So your one-time purchase buys you lifetime access to updated planning forms. I would love for you to go check it out. You can find it at planyouryear.net. You can also go to the show notes for this episode to get access to a free printable planning pack that we'll have for you there. Some of the forms in there so you can try them out and see how helpful they are. So planyouryear.net, I would love to help you plan a homeschool year that is as unique as your family. And now on with the episode. Heidi Scoville is a homeschooling mother of four, a parent practicum speaker for Classical Conversations and a Classical Conversations Essentials tutor. At her blog, Mount Hope Chronicles, she shares about family, education, and books galore. She writes about her own reading as well as family read-alouds and has one great recommendation after another for everything from lovely picture books to nonfiction books by historical period. Her explanations about her book Detectives Club are a must-read for any parent looking for a no-fuss way to have great conversations with their kids about books. Heidi, welcome to the program. Thanks, Pam. I'm excited to chat today. Well, could you start off by telling me a little bit about your family? I would be glad to. My husband, Russ, and I have been married for 20 years next month, and we have four kids. My son, Levi, just turned 14. My son, Luke, is 11. Leif, my son, Leif, is nine, and I have a five-year-old daughter named Lola. We live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest in the Willamette Valley in Oregon, so we are close to just about everything. We're close to a metropolitan city. And yet we live in the country and we can get to the mountains and to the beach, both within an hour or so. 
So we, we love where we're located. And we have been homeschooling from the very beginning. So that's a huge part of our lives. And we are all book lovers. So that is the other defining characteristic of our family. All three of my boys swim on a swim team. And my husband right now is the head coach of the swim team. So he does that in addition to his other several full-time jobs. (laughs) He stays busy. He is a very busy man. So that's, that's kind of us in a nutshell. Now you said you've been homeschooling since the very beginning. So tell me a little bit about why you got started homeschooling. That story starts way, way back from when I was actually in high school and friends of ours began homeschooling. And I was instantly very curious about that and wanted to learn more. And in the midst of that, I actually ended up homeschooling my junior year of high school. And that's kind of a story in and of itself. But as I was homeschooling, I thought to myself that that was the most efficient and wonderful way to educate oneself. And so it was at that time that I really decided that I wanted to homeschool my kids when I, whenever I should have them. And so when my husband and I started dating, he was a public school teacher at the time. And I thought that maybe he should know that I was planning on homeschooling my kids. And so I think it was probably our third date at the time. And I just sort of dropped the subject just very casually about homeschooling. And he instantly said that he thought that was a fantastic idea. And (laughs) we were married about nine months later. And he's been supportive ever since. So, and it was actually about a year before my oldest son was even born that I read The Well Trained Mind. And that was my first introduction into classical homeschooling. And that was revolutionary for me. So, I even before my first son was born, that has been my plan was to do classical homeschooling. Oh, wow. Okay. So you knew right from the very get-go that classical was the direction that you wanted to go in. You didn't flounder like the rest of us. Well, I wouldn't say there was no floundering. We flounder every single day, but (laughs) at least that's been one constant that I was sure that classical education was the direction I wanted to go in. Right. Well, let me start you off with a multiple choice question. Okay. Your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? Would it be A, The Odyssey, B, Little Women, C, Swiss Family Robinson, or D, Lord of the Flies? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do I have to be honest? <laughs> well, we, we appreciate honesty. <laughs> Some days it feels very much like Lord of the Flies. I would like to say uh, Swiss Family Robinson. And so I think it's maybe a combination between those two. Okay. <laughs> They're both on an island. It works. It works. It works. I think we all have those Lord of the Flies days moments in our homeschools. Well, you said that you started off by reading The Well-Trained Mind. What other homeschooling books have had an influence on you? That one was definitely the primary book for me that changed everything. I mean, it gave me a vision from the very beginning. As far as other homeschooling books, recently I read Sarah McKenzie's Teaching from Rest, which was absolutely wonderful. And I appreciated that. I'd say in the last several years, Lee Borton's trilogy, The Core and The Question and The Conversation have been very transformative for me and in our homeschool, partly because as much as I adore lists and the well-trained mind just appeals to that side of me. It's so laid out with everything chronological and in order and lists and time schedules. I really appreciated the way she introduces classical education, where the parent is learning tools 
and teaching the child tools that they can apply to any area of learning. That makes a big difference to me. You know, it's funny because I, of course, read The Well-Trained Mind years ago when my little one was not school age yet. And I, like you, I very much appreciated the structure of it and the way it was laid out. And it, it did. It gave a vision for not even so much for me at the time how classical education could be because that was one of the places that I felt like I didn't connect with it like I should have. I didn't get as good of an understanding of classical education from it as I should have, though I saw that it was a beautifully laid out vision of what homeschooling could be. And then it wasn't until years later that I read the core. And, you know, I don't know if it was because it was absent of all of those curriculum recommendations or everything that I really came to a better understanding of classical education through the core and then was able to use it as a jumping off point into all other facets and areas of classical education. You know, we worked through the Searcy Institute and classical academic press and taking some of Dr. Perrin's classes. But it wasn't until I got that understanding from the core that I was able to make those connections, I think. Right. And for me, I had a great idea of what parenting was going to look like and what homeschooling was going to look like before I was a parent and before I was a homeschooler. (laughs) And I could imagine it just being so perfectly well laid out and going according to plan. And then God gave me three boys and (laughs) they are very different from my personality. And I realized that I couldn't force my idea of what a day was going to look like onto who they were as kids. And I've had to loosen up a lot, both as a parent and both as a homeschooling mom. And I've had to be much more flexible. And I think that if if you have the idea that classical education has to be those lists and that schedule, that sometimes it's hard to be flexible where you need to be flexible. And so that's what I appreciated about the course because there was so much flexibility in it for a parent and those tools could be applied in so many different ways and for so many different personalities and on so many different subjects because you could apply them to building a treehouse if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, I had Dr. Bauer on the show back in December and we were talking about the well-trained mind and she did mention in there, you know, you're not supposed to follow the list. Exactly. You're supposed to take what works from the book and use it and then leave the rest. So, right. um, but I thought that the Borton's book just did a fabulous job of, I don't know. And, you know, I think they complement each other well. Oh, absolutely. And I've definitely used both ideas together. Yeah. You can kind of get one view of it from over here and then a different view from over there. And then of right. course, you can jump off into a million other views, <laughs> which is right. a lot of fun too. So. Well, and like I said, the well-trained mind was absolutely the, the trajectory. It set me off on the trajectory of classical education. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Well, let's talk about some tools in your homeschool toolbox. What are your three favorite homeschooling tools that you might use? Well, obviously, my book collection is going to be one of them. <laughs> I have books everywhere in our house. And I have a big ottoman in our front room. And I consider that a tool. My ottoman full of books that I have, I usually kind of pick and choose certain books, but there's a big variety and lots of stacks. So when my boys are just sitting around, they have a feast to choose from. The second tool, I would say um, is Khan Academy. I have been so thankful for Khan Academy, using Khan Academy for math this year, but even 
there's so much more to what's available online there than math. But it's a fantastic resource and it's free. And that just boggles my mind. So I'd say Khan Academy, and I'm trying to think of a third one. Let me ask about Khan Academy for a second. Are you using it exclusively as your only math or is it a supplemental math for you? We are using it as our main math. So I do have supplements other than that. My boys read Life of Fred Mm -hmm. often and they read other math books and like Beast Academy is another one. But we are using Khan Academy as our main math spine this year. Okay, great. And then I would say uh, Netflix streaming is my third favorite resource. Okay. And so just educational movies and yes, we've, the boys have watched so many documentaries and various shows and it's just very handy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great toolbox. Yes. Well, thinking back to when you were a new homeschooling mom, what was the best piece of homeschooling advice that you received? At that time, I didn't have a lot of people that I knew that were older than me or further along on the journey as a mentor. So I don't remember getting any advice and really in the very beginning, but something that I, I wish that I would have had a mentor to tell me is that I tend to want to sprint. I want to do everything all at once and get it done. You know, feel like I really accomplished something. And so we had a lot of spurts and we still are kind of in that frame of mind. We do really well for a short amount of time and then we're laid back for a while. But I wish that someone would have told me that it's going to be a very long marathon and that small consistencies add up over time. So even if you're only doing a little bit of a day and if you're having conversations, that's all going to add up and you'll be amazed at where you you find yourself several years down the road. Right. And yeah, and you anticipated my next question, which was what advice had you wish you had received? (laughs) So way to go. That was good. (laughs) Well, what's your go-to backup plan when your homeschool plans just fall through for the day? And that happens more than I would care to admit. (laughs) But I would say that even if lots of homeschool plans fall through, we tend to be able to do Khan Academy because that's a very easy thing for us to just get on the computers and do a little bit of math and then stacks of books. And I figure between those two things that even if we just did that every day, my kids would be in great shape. Right. Well, and I kind of get the feeling from the conversation that we're having that you probably don't do a lot of like literature curriculum in your home that there's probably just a lot of reading going on. And it's probably a fairly good mix of free reading and assigned reading. So do you want to talk to the mom for a minute who maybe is feeling like I can't let go of the reading curriculum for my third grader? He reads okay, but I can't let go of the reading curriculum. Or, you know, how am I supposed to do this reading or literature thing with my fifth or sixth grader? How do you do it in your home? I'd say that it's just an atmosphere at our house that there's books around and that we pick up books all the time, I do make it a big point to have a wide variety of books available for my kids. So we do not just have some light fiction reading sitting around, but I tend to, I work really hard and my kids don't necessarily see this process, but I tend to work very hard at collecting books that I think are going to be really rich reading experiences, whether it's a science book or a math book or about fine arts or 
a classic stories. And so, and I pull those. So instead of having, you know, them all on a shelf, I kind of spread the feast in our main living area so that those are always available and a wide variety is available, but it's not overwhelming to the kids as if, you know, we had just, they had to pick out stuff on the shelves. And I would say that it might be partly because I have four extrovert, extroverted children that we end up talking about stuff all day long. And so we have conversations about what they're reading. And a lot of it is not scheduled or we're not following a specific reading comprehension curriculum. We are just having relaxed conversations about the books. And I'm trying to think if I have a piece of advice about that. But I would say that if you make a point to discuss just a few things that you're reading together, Adam Andrews has even said, if you are discussing one out of 10 or even 20 books that your student is reading, then they're still going to learn the process thinking deeply about that book or about a story. And they will be able to use those questions on their own when they are reading or having to learn something. So I think it's the small consistencies like that. And it doesn't have to be, you know, every book narrated or every book you do a reading comprehension quiz on. Or so, a book report. Or a book report. And especially for my boys, because they're not boys who enjoy narrating or writing, I don't want to place an overwhelming sense of burden, you know, when I want them to be able to just enjoy reading and enjoy learning without feeling like, oh, I'm going to have to answer questions about this. Right. Right. And so when you're having these conversations with your kids about books, you're not quizzing them with this kind of question and answer thing. You're really modeling for them how you're thinking about the book. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a low pressure situation and there's usually several of us around. So it's not like one person is answering all the questions. It's just a conversation. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit. This kind of leads naturally into the whole book detective thing. How did you get started with your own book club for kids? Several years ago, I read Deconstructing Penguins by the Goldstones and I absolutely loved it. I was so excited because I thought, oh, I I really want to do that with a group of kids. But I had absolutely no background in literary analysis and everything they talked about in that book was new to me. And it was even books that I had read. They were discussing books that I had read before, but I did not see any of what they saw in that book because I'd never learned to think like that about a book. So I wanted to start a book club, but I felt like I didn't have the tools that I needed to lead it on my own. And then it was about a year after that, that I was part of a group who watched the Teaching the Classics DVDs and went through the syllabus for that. And suddenly I was, I was excited because those were the same elements that the Goldstones were talking about. But Adam Andrews gives tools for the parent or discussion leader to discuss any piece of literature from simple picture books through Shakespeare or War and Peace. And I felt like I could use those tools and lead any sort of discussion, even if I didn't feel like I had all the answers to them. So very shortly after that, my sister and I started a book club with a group of kids and parents using, we kind of meshed deconstructing penguins and teaching the classics together and came up with a book detectives club. And so we did that for quite a while. And I've, I've done several variations of book detectives since then. And you have a number of book detective like specific outlines on your blog that people can go and access to kind of hold their hand and get them started. 
Yes, I posted several of the ones we did in the beginning. And then this past October, I did 31 days of book detectives. So I think I have 29 different picture books and chapter books listed with some of the analysis. That's awesome. So that's helpful if you're not if you don't have any experience. But I keep on telling people that those aren't necessarily the right answers. And that's one thing that's hard for me to get out of my head. With reading comprehension questions, often there's a right or a wrong answer. But when you're talking about the elements of story, there aren't necessarily right or wrong answers. We're just thinking deeply about the book and discussing it. So that was a hard adjustment for me. So I may have analysis on my blog, but that doesn't mean those are the right answers. And you know, the best thing that comes out of this sometimes is that the kids can go off in a totally different direction than what you were expecting and come up with something even more brilliant than you ever thought about yourself. And that's happened over and over again. And I actually discovered, you know, sometimes I'd go through the book ahead of time and I'd I'd have it all laid out where I thought the climax was and what I thought the theme was. And I found out that it worked much better if I did no preparation ahead of time and just let the conversation go where it was going to go with that group of kids. What do you think is some of the fruit that has come out of this book detectives club for your kids as students? I mean, what's the value in meeting together with other kids to talk about books? Well, specifically in our schooling, it's come up a few different times because my boys have done IEW writing and we get to the story outline and they said, we already know all this. And I said, I know because we've talked about it in book detectives, but they said, we understand what the conflict is and what a climax is and what the resolution is. So in their own writing, that that has come been very handy. And then also my oldest son now is going through talking about story elements in some classic short stories with his group. And so that all of those, that language is familiar to them and it's not new or scary. So they know what a denouement is and they, they know what alliteration is when you're talking about literary devices. So it's just made conversations easier. And also because I've had practice asking open-ended questions, that's much easier for me to do just when we're sitting around talking, having conversations or talking about books because I've had a chance to practice those. Right. Well, now I know your family does CC and you've done it for a number of years now. So CC Classical Conversations, what was it that drew you to get involved with the Classical Conversations community? It was actually six years ago. I can't believe it's been that. Wow. We were looking into it. And at the time I had three young boys. When we first looked into it, my youngest son was only three, but he turned four right before we started. So my boy, when we started, my boys were four, six, and eight. And I had a baby on the way. Lola was born two weeks, I think, into our first year with CC. So at that time, I really was looking for help with the core of our week. I was kind of afraid things would fall apart as soon as my daughter was born. And I wanted some consistency and accountability. But also, I ended up with three extroverted boys, and they needed some sort of social outlet. And so for us, CC was an opportunity for them to make friends And it was an opportunity for them to learn to operate in a class environment for only short periods of time. That would have been very bad for all day, every day, but it was perfect for a three-hour portion once a week. And then also, I wanted them to have experience listening to and having relationships with other adult authority figures. And so that was one of the big reasons we started CC. But also, CC complemented my homeschool goals perfectly because it was strong in the areas that I was weak. So memory work, I wanted my kids to do memory work, but for some reason, that was the thing we never got to. 
I was not good about doing science projects or art projects. And then also CC gives them an, the kids an opportunity to do a public speaking type presentation to their class every week. And obviously that's very difficult to recreate at home. So it just, we were great at home at filling in the context for the memory work, but we were able to do the things that were more difficult for me at CC. Oh, that's awesome. So you really haven't seen your homeschool style change as a result of your involvement in CC. It was something that just really dovetailed nicely into what you wanted to do. Yeah, that's. I was kind of thinking about that and I wondered how it would be different if we were not doing CC, but it was very difficult because my boys were very young. So we've kind of done that from the very beginning. And it did feel like a very smooth transition. Like we didn't have to change up what we were doing. So that was nice. Okay. Well, now I have a couple of questions for you. First of all, one of the things other than your absolutely beautiful photography that drew me to your blog years ago was your, for lack of a better word, school shed. Oh, Uh yes. So are you still using the school shed? Because that thing was gorgeous. Well, it is still there. My husband works from home a couple days a week. And that is sort of his office space when he's home. So we don't use it consistently as a school space, but it's kind of become an all purpose room for us. So we've used it for lots of different events and and activities. Yeah, that was my big question. So, you know, I didn't really know if you were going out there in the morning and kind of staying there through the day, because that's the thing that I think would, I mean, we took our, what was supposed to be our formal dining room, like right when you walk in the front door and we turned that into our school space, which, you know, has its pros and cons, but I figure anybody who knows me knows we're homeschooling. So whatever, right? right. (laughs) but I couldn't imagine being separated from the rest of the house for the entire day. So I didn't know if that was something you were still doing and what you thought about that. Right. And obviously, I mean, it's partly because we are very relaxed in our schooling that we do at home that it is very difficult to have it in a separate space. So we tend to just overflow in our living areas. So, you know, there's a kid on the couch and a kid working at the kitchen table and that sort of thing. And it was, of course, harder to do that when I had, when Lola was younger and she was a toddler around because we needed access to the rest of the house. Right. But it is nice to have that extra space for when you need it. Yes, because we have a very small house. So we we needed the space. Yeah, sometimes I think I don't need a schoolroom so much as I need a, a great big school storage closet. Oh, absolutely. And I do have a, a separate little room. It's kind of my office, but I would definitely call it the schoolroom storage. <laughs> well, we've talked a lot about reading with your kids. So let's talk for a minute about personal reading for mom, because I know that moms are probably a lot like me and that they would love to be reading more, but they struggle a little bit, either finding good books or finding the time. So how do you carve out time for your own reading? That's a good question. I would say that we partly just keep our activity schedule light and our schooling is relaxed. And I'd say that I'm not a great example of disciplined reading. I don't have a specific time each day or a specific amount of time each day to read where I I know other people who have their reading list so exact that they know exactly how many pages of which book they're going to read each day. And I I am definitely not like that. I, I tend to grab whatever book I feel like reading at the moment. I usually have several different ones going. I try to have a nonfiction and then a, a classic and maybe a couple of various fiction genres going at the same time. And I tend to read in spurts. So I read just a little bit 
over several days, you know, maybe a little bit of each book, but then I'll get in the middle of a book and I just want to finish it. And so I'll read all day and finish the book. (laughs) So I'd say that the biggest thing is that there's a lot of things I don't do. My house is not a pristine, perfectly organized and clean environment. And we keep our activity schedule light. And then a lot of times I'm reading, my boys are reading and I'm reading. We're all all spending time together, but reading our own individual books. So I wish I had a more specific, like, this is how you do it sort of advice. But, and I, I really do go in spurts. There's sometimes where I, I don't have time to fit in a lot of reading, but then it'll get to the weekend and I'll have a day free. And I think that's what I want to do with my spare time. So I read all day. Well, do you have any like go-to source for, because it sounds like you're very sporadic in how you choose your books too. It doesn't sound like you keep a running list. So do you have any sources that you go to when you're just standing there going, well, I would like to read something new. Actually, I, I make a ridiculously long list for myself at the beginning of the year, but there's so much to choose from on there that I still get, can say, you know, I really feel like reading this book right now. So it's not exact. Like this is the book I'm going to read in January. And this is the book I'm going to read in February. Part of it is I also, not only do I have a slight book buying addiction, but I, (laughs) I also have a book club addiction. So I am part of several in real life book clubs and several online book clubs. And so a lot of my book choices come from that. And it's perfect for me because it comes with a little bit of accountability. Mm -hmm. And so I think, well, like tonight, we'll be discussing Far From the Matting Crowd with one of my book clubs. And I thought yesterday, I better get that finished. (laughs) And so I finished it yesterday. So I, I definitely need some of those deadlines in place. But I've surrounded myself with bookish people in both real life and online. So everybody's talking about books. And every time a book comes up, I write it down and say, oh, I want to read that one too. And I want to read that one too. And then I keep adding it to a list of like 300 books I'd like to read this year. So, okay. Well, is your list like sticky notes scattered throughout the house or do you keep it in Evernote or how do you keep your list? I actually blog my list, which is handy. And then I cross out books on my blog each month as I've read them. So usually it's, it's online. Okay. So this is great because we can go to Heidi's blog to get our own book recommendations. There you go. Perfect. And I love the book club thing too, because I find that I'm much more accountable to reading when I'm participating in a book group. And like you, I typically have a, a few different ones going on at any given time. So, right. Right. And sometimes it's frustrating. So you think, oh, I'd, I really would rather be reading something else or, but I've also noticed that books come up that I don't think that I'm going to like, or I wouldn't have picked. And it forces me to step outside of my normal selections. And so many of the books I've enjoyed over the years are books I wouldn't have picked out for myself. Yeah, exactly. Well, Heidi, I have a pop quiz for you. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right. Coffee or tea? Uh, tea. A little bit country or a little bit rock and roll? Uh, a little bit rock and roll. Well-trained mind or Unschoolers Anonymous? <laughs> Well-trained mind. Early bird or night owl? Night owl, definitely. Craft or read aloud? Uh, read aloud. Lap book or workbook? A workbook. Co-op or stay home? Co-op. Bed made or unmade? Bed made. Bookmark or dog ear? Dog ear. Sonnet or haiku? Uh, haiku. Thank you so much for joining me today. That was fun. Thank you, Pam. I had a blast. Well, tell everybody where they can find you online. 
I blog at mounthopechronicles.com. And I also have a Facebook page for Mount Hope Chronicles. That's where you should find me. And there you have it. Episode 29 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. Now, if you would like information on where to find Heidi online or some of the great books we spoke about today or those free planning pages I talked about during the sponsorship, then head on over to edsnapshots.com forward slash 29, where you will find the show notes for this episode with all of that helpful information in there, including a link to Heidi's blog. You can also leave either Heidi or myself a comment there, and we will be happy to answer any questions that you have and help you out. And for all of you who have left a rating or a review of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast on iTunes, we would just like to say thank you so very much for taking the time to do that. Your ratings and reviews let iTunes know that this is a quality podcast and they'll share it with more people. So we really do appreciate it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another great interview with a homeschooling mom. And until then, keep on homeschooling. Homeschooling.